What is the kingdom of heaven like? That's the question we begin investigating today. And we know that this is going to be a fruitful investigation because Jesus constantly speaks about the kingdom of heaven, especially if you're reading through the gospel as recorded by Matthew. In the particular chapter we're looking at today, chapter 13, there are about six or seven parables about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then there are several more as you go further down in the gospel. Also, there are numerous references, not parables in particular, where Jesus makes comments about what the kingdom is of heaven is like. So we begin our study this week in Matthew chapter 13, reading verses 24 to 30 and 36 to 43. The first thing we recognize in reading this passage is that the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom in conflict. Not an internal conflict, but in a conflict with other kingdoms. The first thing Jesus said is the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. The man who owed this field had done his work, he had his field prepared, he and his staff went and they sowed their wheat, they had done all what they were supposed to do, time for rest came, time for sleep came, while men slept, the scripture says, the enemy came upon their field and planted the tares in the field. The tares growing amidst the wheat, therefore, is the result of deliberate planting by the enemy. What are tares? Over the years we've been told, well, you know, tares are weeds. But I've been trying to tackle this question about what are tares. Because from my own experience, tares or weeds don't need to stay in the midst of your plants or the crop that you have. I have some flowering plants around my house. Recently I noticed they weren't doing too well, so I thought they needed more watering and they needed some mold. So I went, we got some mold and we molded up the plants and we started watering more frequently. A few weeks have gone since we took that action. The flowering plants look to me like they're in the same condition they were in before we started. But below the flower plants is now completely green. No more parched earth. The mold has caused weeds to spring up. But I'm able to distinguish all these weeds from the flowering plants. The flowering plants are mature, they're much older, they're much taller, and these weeds that are growing below can be easily removed. No mistake could be made between the flowering plants and the weeds. So what's peculiar about these particular weeds that they need to stay growing with the tares? These tares that so troubled the Palestinian wheat farmer would appear to be a weed called the bearded darnel. I could give you the biological name, but I'm not sure about my Latin pronunciation. But I could tell you that it was sometimes called just simply darnel. Sometimes it call, it's called poison darnel. Sometimes darnel ryegrass. And sometimes cockle. The primary characteristic of the bearded darnel that made it different from other kinds of weeds is that the bearded darnel looked similar to the wheat in the early stages of their development, making it difficult, if not impossible, to tell them apart. One could easier tell them apart at the mature stage when they're budded, but by then, 
their roots are so intertwined that to uproot one is to uproot or damage the other. And so we've come up on this idea that the wheat and the tares must grow together. This is one of the reasons why the Jews sometimes called it bastard wheat. They were so similar in characteristics that the Jews believed that something went wrong in the late stages of their reproduction. They were probably the offspring of some bastard variety because they look like wheat, but they are not wheat. The grain of the bearded darnel is also known to be slightly poisonous. Um, not, not lethal poison, but it can cause some, some unpleasantness. Some people have said it has narcotic properties, and others who have tasted it said it's bitter to the taste. As a result of these characteristics, at some point, these tears, this bearded darnel, must be removed. Unfortunately, removing the bearded darnel is, an, is a labor-intensive process and can only be carried out at the time of the harvesting or sometimes later at the threshing of the grain. This first stage of harvesting is when the sickle is taken to the stalks in the field. An expert harvester who takes the sickle to the stalks is able at that point to separate, identify and separate the bearded darnel from the wheat. The bearded darnel is put in bundles, as Jesus said, and sent to the place of the fire. A place of fire where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you draw the parallels. But the good stalks, the stalks of the wheat grain, those are then bundled and taken to the threshing floor. Any bearded darnel, through human error or oversight or the tiredness of workers, that makes it to the threshing floor and gets threshed, is then manually removed just before the grains are milled to make the flour. It's like what we, we used to do, some of us, and some of us still do here in Guyana. If, you, if you're buying or using cheaper rice, then you have to kind of uh, like, like win the rice or sift the rice. We'd go by, a, by the door, the back door, or by the window, and we'd throw the rice up out of the, the, the dish that we have it in, the bowl that we have it in, and the rice goes up and comes back down. Any pieces of paddy or husk that escaped would get blown out by the wind and by this process. And then after that, we're accustomed to picking the rice. You put the rice on a heap on the table, and then you pull down a little bit, and you go through and you pick out any paddy that wasn't broken, that's still in the rice, or any broken rice, or rice with blackened ends. We pick that out of the rice, and then move the picked rice into the bowl to go for washing and then cooking. It's, it's a similar exercise to that. In Palestine at the time, the ladies at the threshing floor would spread out the grain, and they would go through and identify any stray grains of bearded darnel that made it to that stage. And they were able to identify it because while it's similar shape and size, it had a different color. So they were able to remove that and then have the flour, have the wheat milled, the wheat grain milled to make flour. So back to this idea about growing together. There are some things we learn from Jesus' comments that the wheat and tares must grow together. And here are they. First, sometimes it's difficult to distinguish who is genuine from who is an agent of the enemy in our midst. Because in the early stages of development, the bearded darnel and the wheat look exactly alike. And the wheat and tares are growing together. And it takes some time before the counterfeit, before the agent of the enemy is 
identified or exposed in our midst. The second point we must note, however, is that this parable is not to be applied narrowly within the church while it does apply, but we must remember that Jesus in his explanatory note in verse 38 says that he's speaking about the church and the world, that we are the good seed planted in the field, but that we have to grow together with the bearded darn and with the tares until the time of judgment comes. So number three, it's important for us to know that we must not act rashly even after discerning the wrong because judgment often has to be withheld until the proper time. In the field, premature action would damage the wheat when we're taking the tears out. In life, premature action can also be destructive. Paul points to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 when he says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Sometimes, even if we discern something, we must wait for the time of judgment. Number four, we must know for certain that in the end, judgment will come. Sometimes there are people who are like the bearded down and like the tares. They're living a lifestyle contrary to what's required. But because nothing has happened, we begin to feel that judgment is both delayed and canceled. Jesus is saying, look, judgment delayed is not judgment canceled. In the fullness of time, at the time of the harvest, judgment will come. Finally, we must know for certain that God has not abandoned this church, and in his time, judgment will come upon the disobedient and upon the agents of the enemy. God's judgment will absolutely come, and at that time, the wheat and the tears would be separated. Abandoned his church, and in time, his judgment will come upon the disobedient and upon the agents of the enemy. Sometimes the time of judgment comes at the time of the harvest and we must wait.